For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Power Punch. Get charged up on the truth. Now, Power Punch with Larry Barons on News Talk STL. <laughs> oh, you've done it again. You've stumbled upon that energy show your parents warned you about. <laughs> maybe not all the parents. Maybe if you grew up on a commune and, you know, eating granola and curds and whey and hugging the trees all the time, then, then yeah, absolutely they warned you about it. So, you know, go ahead, shower up, toss away the granola and sit down for a good dose of the truth. My name is Larry Behrens. I am the communications director for Power of the Future. And you have stumbled upon Power Punch. Or maybe you didn't stumble upon it. Maybe you made an appointment to be here. No, I'm just kidding. It's like high school for me. I'm getting stood up at prom, aren't I? Nonetheless, you're here accidentally and I will embrace it. I will lean into it. And you should as well, because we're going to talk about some things that you may not hear anywhere else. You know, or maybe you do. Maybe you're a really smart person. But I think I have some insight into the events that have gone on this week that uh, not a lot of people do. You see, we're going to get started here with our, our good friend, uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham from New Mexico. And it's, it's hard to describe to you, you know, and, and if you've been exposed to her in the last week, you understand, you've gotten a little taste of just how she is. Some of us have had that exposure for uh, more than years than we care to admit. And and it is something that is, it's both um, painful and enlightening. It's painful because, you know, she's still the terrible tyrant she's always been. And now everyone knows that. But in the second part, everyone knows that. So maybe it's better. I don't know. But let's get down to it, right? She hates the Constitution. You know that. I know that. Everyone knows that. Even her own party backed away from her. And it's hard to describe the idiosyncrasies of this, uh, this governor. And I've had the, I don't, I'm not going to call it the opportunity. I had the occasion to, you know, be in a meeting or two with her, uh, before she was the governor. She was Congresswoman from New Mexico before that. And when I worked in the state government in New Mexico, a few meetings that, you know, um, you got a little insight into her. And I remember I was in one right before, she announced or right after she announced she was going to run for governor. My boss was still there. So as my boss, the former governor, Michelle Luan Grisham, her staffer, who I don't remember myself. And I doubt she remembers this, but she got asked the question just in this meeting. There was like four or five of us. And they asked her, you know, why do you want to be governor? You're already in Congress. You can win that probably for a long time. And she goes, you know, with executive power, you can do just so much more. And she giggled and laughed and we all giggled and laughed. And that was the way it is. Well, <laughs> Here we are. Fast forward what? So that was, I think, 2018. Uh, fast forward to now and uh, no one's laughing anymore. Well, maybe she still is because there's some delusion there. But this is who we're dealing with when it comes to um, the tyrannical rule of the ultra left. And she is in a state where it's uh, one party control. Hey, it's how you doing there, Illinois? She's in a state where there's also one power control. And she has always just used that to bring in every leftist dream. I mean, there's times I wonder if California looks at her and says, wow, I wish I could do all that crazy stuff. And none was more on display than this week when she decided that the second amendment doesn't matter. Now, I know you've been following, and I know you know the ins and outs of it, but let's just real quick take a a quick pause to say, you know, say what you will about Michelle Lujan Grisham, but she really will go to any length to keep Hunter Biden out of her state, will she not? That's impressive. That's impressive. And no one thought to ask that, right? No one thought to ask her when she's declaring an emergency 
because she's so worried about guns. But then no one asked her, hey, uh, how about the president's son? What do you think about that? Now, rest assured, if they were a Republican, they wouldn't make that connection right away. But no, President Sun gets indicted on gun charges. A Democrat governor suspends the Constitution, or tries to at least, to get away with the guns. And then, lo and behold, no one makes the connection. Because you know what? There is, there is nothing better than being a Democrat dealing with the media. It must be just like a sweet utopia, right? And 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 that's what we have saw this week, where she had something you know, that she put forth, they all just thought, Hey, this is a good idea. We're going to do this. Right. And let's just talk about where it comes from. I'm going to show you a clip and let me just paint the picture of this clip. As you know, I I used to live in that state and I moved to this one and I'm glad I did because let me just, we're going to share with you a little insight. This is from Michelle Lujan Grisham and this is from her zoom um, press conferences. And I, it's, it's hard to paint the picture of how this would be, but during COVID, right, she wouldn't face reporters face to face. And so she would have Zoom press conferences and she would ask, reporters would get a chance to ask one question a week. She would do this weekly. They could literally ask her one question a week. And then she, they would always preface the question was, hey, governor, thanks for taking my question. This is the dutiful media that just lap dogs and sits there and say, oh, thank you. Thank you for just one question. And even under those circumstances, now she locked down New Mexico to a degree you can't understand, but this is in, it's hard to wrap our minds around it, but this clip you're about to hear is in July, 2020. And what she had done up to that point is obviously she had shut down school in March, uh, 2020. And she shut it down for the rest of the year. By July, 2020, she was going to shut it down again for another year. That's right. Kids did not go back to school in New Mexico until March 2021 if you were a high school student. You had an entire calendar year just gone. That's what she did. She was so scared of the COVID. She was it, it was the Rona. It was going to be and and she was militant about it. The person you saw trying to suspend the Constitution this week is exactly this person from just a few years ago. And take a listen to what she was talking about. But New Mexicans are traveling out of state. They are not adhering to a 14-day quarantine, and you're not supposed to be going out. Why are you going out of state? Vacations, family gatherings, unnecessary, unrequired business travel. I can see you at the airports. I can see it on Facebook. Our modelers and folks who look at that aggregate data, we know about it, and we can see it now showing up in contact tracing. You are taking that virus to other places. You are bringing that virus back. You're being unfair to New Mexico's economy. Worse, you're putting New Mexicans in the hospital and some of them are losing their lives. Unacceptable. And so you hear there what she's talking about. And let's be clear, this was something that not a lot of people were noticing. She literally had cell phone companies give her data on the movement of New Mexicans so she could tell you if you had been out of state and and they say oh it's anonymized so we don't know it's you we just look at it in the aggregate she literally had her 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 constituents tracked so that she can lecture them on COVID and you hear it in her voice there and and I'm, I'm so glad the rest of the country got introduced to this version this week because not only is it a problem for New Mexico it's going to be a problem for the rest of us Right. Because this is their thing now. And I have to just bring that back. So she was able to 
shut down schools for a year. She was able to shut down uh, any number of small businesses. She sent the state police to churches so that churches could not meet. She absolutely did that. And she tracked their cell phone data. And, and not only that, I mean, I remember, and this is in, you know, this was months after December, 2020 elderly people standing outside a big box grocery store to go in to buy food. And she had said, doesn't matter how big the store is. It's only 15% of this capacity. And they, and, and she sent state police there to monitor it, to check on it. If there was one complaint, oh, no, oh, by the way, she set up an anonymous tip line so you could snitch on your neighbors, by the way. It worked out really, it worked out as well as you'd think it would. So this, this is who we're dealing with here. And, and I paint this picture for you because, oh yeah, by the way, she made you wait outside uh, for food for two plus hours in the cold in December. Like you went for your week's shopping and she would make, you know, the lines were long and there was literally people out there for two hours when the news pointed out to her. And this is going to sound familiar to her. When the news pointed out to her, she said, oh, that's not true. That's just a Republican talking point. Now, where have we heard this before? Fast forward to 2023. Governor, you've suspended the Constitution. You have ignored the Second Amendment. It's just an NRA talking point. No, it's a legitimate thing that you have absolutely done. And here's, dear listener, here's where it gets to be a problem. I, I think, well, first of all, I need to thank you. Thank you for letting me exercise some of those demons because I can't... Uh, uh, really, really never adequately describe how um, difficult it was to have, you know, your children not be able to hang out with their friends, not be able to really do anything. And it was bothersome on how the citizens of that state just accepted it. And when I looked for a free state, I was like, what is a state that put up the least with this? What is the state that said, you know what, we're not going to do this? And I looked at, oh, well, let's take a look at Missouri. Let's take a look at, uh, you know what, what? The kids didn't have to wear masks. By the way, even after they went to school, after being a year out, yeah, you still had to wear a mask and you still got sent home if someone had the sniffles. And I was like, where is a state that common sense won out? Because there wasn't a lot of them. And that's what brought me here to Missouri. But the problem we have, I keep teasing it. I'll deliver on it now. The problem we have is this governor learned that in an emergency wink situation, she can give herself extra power. What politician will turn that down. And here's what we found, right? It, and, and crime in New Mexico is abysmal. It is terrible. It's, it's, it's like, and especially in its biggest city, probably like a lot of urban areas, it's just terrible. Now, does this governor consider closing the border with Mexico? No, no, that would be silly. Keep the fentanyl rolling. No, no. She decided to try to suspend the Constitution and thankfully got pushback not only from the people who have always been her critics like myself, but the people who were sometimes her friends, people within her, her own party. Her own attorney general said, I cannot represent you in court back this. In fact, if you saw right before the federal judge smacked this down, there was literally like the governor's general counsel was the only person there. And there were just the courtroom was packed with everyone else opposing this. But <laughs> the 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 news media doing its job uh, noted that yeah, there were protests against uh, the governor's order, but there also protested support. Literally six people showed up, and they showed up from Colorado. That is what, <laughs> and they have front page coverage. But when she found that she could extend her power by just declaring something an emergency. Now she has her tool. 
to fight crime, right? She has her tool to say, if I can declare anything an emergency, then I don't need to worry about the voters. Don't need to worry about the legislature. Don't need to worry about doing things legally. I can declare it just an emergency. So let's just take a look here real quick because she got smacked down uh, pretty hard. She's still, you know, in her her little hole of delusion thinking that she did the right thing. Now she's trying to say that, oh, oh, look at I started a conversation. Do you think we weren't talking about crime before you decided to take, you know, white out to the Constitution? Yeah, we were talking about it because it's abysmal. It's terrible. But you targeted the law abiding citizens. And she's found that the public health order, I, I would say she's become addicted to the public health order. So she sees that declaring the public, the power grabbing emergency is the answer to anything. And now she has to rebuild her image. And where this gets to you, me and everyone else coming up is don't we have another executive that has to rebuild his image right in Washington, poll numbers in the tank, things going badly on every turn. We'll get into that in a little bit. But you have this situation where everything is an emergency. They give themselves power. Who knew George Lucas was right? Hats off if you get the reference there. Declaring everything an emergency means that they are going to grab power. And when have you not seen a politician, particularly a leftist politician, shy away from grabbing power? And what's it going to mean for us? Thankfully, we have a Second Amendment that people can then take the federal court and says, this is what the Constitution says. You, you, you can't do that immediately slap down. We don't have that when it comes to climate emergencies. We certainly did it for COVID emergencies, right? So what's going to happen there? The people who you know wouldn't talk to the governor before are going to talk to her now because leaders are already calling for a climate emergency right? That means they won't abandon her like they did during this one. And there's nothing like the second amendment to stop it. And lastly, most importantly, we have thin skinned politicians who just got burned on a national level and they want to try to rebuild their reputation. What better way to say it's an emergency for the earth? What will they do then? We know what they'll do. We're going to get into that a little bit here in the last segment of the day, but we know they're going to censor us. We know, I mean, you know, if you don't go to school the right way, if the school isn't cooled the right way, I mean, what are the things, I mean, we saw this uh, this week as well, a landmark ruling for the Supreme Court, finding that Joe Biden, you know, colluded with big tech to censor different kinds of information. And the UN is calling for that on climate right now. And so when we look at this, I worry that this gun declaration from New Mexico's governor was nothing more than a trial balloon for what they want to do next. Don't you think the White House is watching closely? You bet they're absolutely watching closely. And it is something that we all need to be wary of. Politicians who see a quick power grab by saying, I'm going to suspend the law as it is just for now because things are so bad. And unlike COVID, which we all thought would eventually end, unlike, you know, a 30-day gun emergency, which the governor tried to get away with, imagine what they do with climate. Would that one ever end? No, they would say cold in the winter, it's an emergency. Hot in the summer, it's an emergency. Oh, there's another rainstorm. What an emergency. A hurricane has the audacity to form in September. Emergency. And what do those emergencies do for COVID? Absolutely nothing. They didn't do anything for guns or crime. 
what they did is they gave government more power and it gives politicians who want to be little dictators more and more of it. And yeah, they're addictive. And this is the only solution they're going to see in the future. Mark my words. Hey, speaking of mark my words, what did I tell you about um, those EVs? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The message is coming in. The EVs are not so good. Our secretary of energy had a fun trip this week. We'll get into it coming up next. Get more Power Punch at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Power Punch with Larry Barons on Newstalk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Get charged up on the truth. Power Punch with Larry Barons on Newstalk STL. Welcome back to Power Punch. Larry Barron's here with you. Hey, if you're interested in getting a, a little dose of Power Punch during the week, you can head on over to PowerTheFuture.com. We have all kinds of things going on, including the stories I'm going to talk about today. But there's, uh, you know, there's just a, a little more here on Power Punch where we we can share with you um, the 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 words, the the audio of what is going on, and that's what we're going to share with you. So if you didn't hear, uh, you should have heard. You know, Joe Biden's Energy Secretary. Is just a special lady. Uh, she is the one that uh, had stock in an electric bus battery manufacturer. Used the president to, you know, prop up that manufacturer. Cashed out her stock in that manufacturer, and then the manufacturer went out of business. You think she would be deterred? I mean, that stuff used to get you fired. I, I don't know. Uh, at least uh, one administration ago, but no, the rules are different now because when you're a Democrat, you don't have to worry about being intellectually honest or even just honest at all or just even not corrupt at all because you can just get away with these things. And speaking of getaway, Jennifer Granholm, Biden's Energy Secretary, former governor of Michigan, wanted to get away in an EV. Want to get away? You're not getting away in an EV. She went or tried to go on uh, I believe it was like a 700 mile road trip with an EV. And she was setting out to prove that EVs are just the best. They're, they're fantastic. And, and I don't know what all those radical right wingers are talking about because EVs are just, just wonderful. Well, here's a, here's a really good synopsis from Fox news about what happened. Well, we are learning some very interesting details about Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm's disastrous electric vehicle road trip that she took back in June. Her four-state tour aimed at touting green energy investments appears to have backfired after her team reportedly had a hard time finding places to charge their electric vehicles. According to NPR, a staffer even tried to save a charging spot for the secretary by using a gasoline-powered car to occupy that spot until she arrived. Tisk tisk, But that didn't go over well with another EV driver. That driver called the police to complain that they were blocking what should have been an open charging spot. But police reportedly couldn't do anything because... As of this moment, and this is bound to change, it's not illegal to use a gas-powered vehicle to occupy an EV charging spot. But Granholm's team tried to smooth things over and did, graciously, give up one of the spots that they were holding 
for the family. After they put up a fight for for yeah. it. And you know, here on Power Punch, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my due diligence. I'm gonna say, you know what? I'm not gonna take the word of the news, especially if that news is NPR. I'm not going to take their word on it. And by the way, congratulations NPR on getting an invite. How objective do you think the Biden administration thinks you are if they literally invite you to go on a trip with them? I digress. So I look, I went to the sheriff's department in this little county. It, it turned out it was in Columbia County, Georgia. And I asked them, you know, is it there when someone uh, calls 911 isn't there a recording of every 911 call? And, and didn't someone call 911 on this situation? The answer is yes, yes, and yes. And poof, I got it sent. That's right. Here it is right here. Columbia County 911. Hi, I'm calling because I'm in the Grovetown Walmart at the charging station. And there's literally a non-electric car that is taking up the space who says they're holding the space for somebody else. And it's holding up a whole bunch of people who need to charge their cars. All right. You're at the Walmart on Sonnerway. Um, the one in Grovetown that, that has the RVs in front. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. I can hear you. <laughs> Are they Hello? still there? They're still here, but one spot opened up, which is, like, not them. But there's other people who are waiting to charge, and they're still here. And they're not an electric car. And the sign says that it has to, you, can't, you can't park here unless you're charging. And what kind of car is it? It's a Corolla. It's black. Do you, okay. see a, do you see a tag number? Um, I can get it, but they said that their person's going to be here in two minutes that they're holding the spot for. So maybe. Well, now I'm charging, so I don't even care anymore. But yeah. Okay, I've got a deputy on the way. Can you see the tag number? Oh, they just got here. Go take a picture of the Corolla tag. And so you have Jennifer Girl, and I, and I know how that call sounds. It, it, it is not the urgency. There's no one screaming or crying or anything like that. But let's just talk about what this says about this radical agenda. When you would think that with Joe Biden pushing these things down our throat, and that is not an exaggeration. They are making rules so that your gas-powered car will go the way of the dodo as quick as possible if they can get away with it. California, I think, says you can't sell anything else starting in 2035, maybe 2030. New Jersey's done it. Oh, hey, it was shocker, New Mexico. We're going to take your guns and take your car. And so you see how this creep of the green agenda is being put upon us. And and did Congress pass a law to do this? Did any state legislator pass a law to do this? No, they do it through executive edict. They do it through, um, you know, rules that they don't have to, you know, maybe face the voters on. Right. It's going to be faceless bureaucrats. Uh, imposing this just like it was a faceless bureaucrat, by the way, who's uh, magically been unnamed. Do you think if this had been Donald Trump and someone was holding a spot for Donald Trump, that that staffer would be able to remain anonymous? Maybe they were the Supreme Court leaker. Maybe they brought cocaine in the White House. You know, if it's all the same guy, that's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. Or girl, I don't discriminate. Back to the story. And so you have the staffer using a gas-powered car because you cannot. So that's what they're trying to say here. You cannot complete this EV trip unless you have a staffer in a gas-powered car, which everybody has. I have a staffer to do that. Except it's my nine-year-old. And, you know, when I put her behind the wheel, let's just say there's issues. And so 
what does that say about the realisticness of this? By the way, Jennifer Granholm, uh, in an effort to have brilliant timing, was before Congress this week, and she was asked about the incidents. And let's hear what she says, but also let's listen really closely to what she doesn't say. Can you attest to the validity or the veracity of the, the situation you had a few months ago with the trip where you had a staffer that parked in a charging spot to hold a position for you so that you and your entourage could recharge vehicles? Was that, was that situation true? Yeah, I've seen the reports. Uh, well, you were there. I mean, what? Well, regardless of the report, I wasn't saving the spot. But um, but let me just say, I have a, a fantastic young staff. Just fantastic. Well, that's that's neither well, here nor there. I but, just want to say, but, that somebody is it made true a that you had a staffer? I didn't in a gas powered. Uh, one, one of your gas, representatives parked in an electric charging spot to reserve the position for you, so that you could do it and not be deterred from your travels. Was it that, was, that it was poor judgment on but it's the true, part correct? of the team. Why do you think? And poor judgment, but why do you think they did that? Um, I can only imagine they wanted to continue moving. But the bottom line is, it's not going to happen again. And that's what you have. You have her saying, <laughs> he's, he's literally asking her, is this true? And her response, I have a great staff. Well, what? They're, they're, they're great. That's not the question. That is, that is and, and something that has happened with this administration from the get-go. The absolutely non-denial denial. They used to hate those, right? They used to hate those when Woodward and Bernstein was working on it. But you know, when you're an activist media that is trying to do all you can to hide the truth of what Joe Biden and his administration are doing to the country, then you'll take that. The, the question is, uh, you know, have you seen these reports? Yes or no? Is it true? Uh, it was poor judgment are the part of the team. Poor judgment, but why do you think they did that? I can only imagine they wanted to continue moving. That is the only way that this mode of transportation that Joe Biden is forcing us all on will work is if you have an internal combustion car with you. By the way, if uh, you are, and I'm not going to say the name and make a model here, but if you if you heard the 911 call, you got it. If I am the marketing guy for... <laughs> for that make that's just a great commercial right off the bat right you know here here's the car you need to buy that will help your ev be more palatable they literally will and and, and don't forget your boy pete Buttigieg, secretary of transportation first off hats off for him for not screwing anything major up for a month that is an impressive record he's probably gonna take another six-week vacation but don't forget your boy pete Buttigieg, who made a big deal of cycling it's like, I'm going to cycle around. And <laughs> the press saw that literally like 20 yards before the entrance of where he was supposed to be cycling, he hops out of an SUV, hops on the bike, and then cycles the last 20 yards. Total scam, right? It's, it's If you need a giggle, look it up. But what's not funny is this road, no pun intended, that they're forcing all of us to go down. Because not only are they trying to wrestle that internal combustion car out of your garage. And listen, if you if you like EVs, buy an EV. That's great. But the problem we have is the same problem we had in New Mexico. It's the same problem we're having with Joe Biden. It's when the government says, no, your choices are limited now. You don't know enough about what's going on to be able to make decisions for yourself to buy the things that you need. You must, you have to be compelled to do what we're going to tell you because we, we gave you the chance to do the right thing and you haven't done the right thing. Well, where does quote unquote the right thing get us? I'll tell you where it get it gets us. The story from Fox news this week, Chinese communist party. Yeah. You thought I was making it up. The answer is no, I was not making it up and hats off to you, Illinois. 
they're coming for you. A Chinese electric vehicle battery company with ties to the Communist Party announced new plans to expand its operation on U.S. soil with a project in Illinois. Speaking of lockdowns, you know, it's, uh, you, you have to wonder what you have to do to lure, to, to, to be seen as, you know, welcoming to the Chinese Communist Party. Oh, here's a guy who locked down his whole state too. Did he, did he weld uh, the door shut? No, he's not as good as us, but he locked them down pretty good. All right, let's take the factory there. He goes, and this is what um, they said, with the right incentives, and that's going to be important. This is their quote, with the right incentives, nation-leading infrastructure, world-class workforce, and booming clean energy production. Oh, brings a tear. We have transformed ourselves into attractive location for global manufacturers. Let me translate for you. With enough bribe money, with a willingness to lock down, just like the communists do, we have developed ourselves into an attractive location for communists who want our tax dollars. Let's give it up. And now first, I'm not going to bemoan anybody who, who wants to have jobs. I'm a fan of jobs. Great if it is there, but let's talk about what it's costing. It is $536 million or over half a billion dollars for this plant of taxpayer dollars that's going to make it move. Local residents, former State Department officials, and Republicans have opposed the plant, a similar project in Michigan, arguing the company's activities in the U.S. pose a national security risk. They say they particularly noted the company's allegiance to the Chinese government and often pointed to the company's corporate bylaws, which state that the company is required to, quote, carry out party activities in accordance with the constitution of the Communist Party of China. They're, they're, they're coming in the front door. They're not sneaking in the basement. And we're allowing them. Not only are we allowing them, we're giving them hundreds of millions of dollars. I, I bet East Palestine would love half a billion dollars right now. I bet your community could use half a billion dollars in money to, you know, I don't know, boost up the community. But no, the Chinese communists are going to do it because we need to make these products that you can't use without a staffer and another car with it. So whatever size, you know, let's say your 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 family right now is a two-car family, internal combustion cars. You buy the two EVs, keep the internal combustion cars because you're going to need to hire a staffer. Oh, that's a whole new digital market. Joe Biden will claim he created jobs. He, he, he like, hey, all those people now that are on Uber staffer, <gasps> my idea, I just made it Uber staffer, rent a staffer to hold your parking place for your EV. I'm telling you. It's going to work out, but the billions that they have and, and make no mistake, Jennifer Granholm will look at this. It's just, Oh, it was poor judgment. She walked away from this whole incident, this whole just fiasco and said, you know what we need? We need billions more in chargers so that uh, staffers don't have to hold it up. That's what she did. She, she, her answer is, and their answer is always going to be more money for them, more control upon your life. But you know what you do control? You control what you listen to for now. And I'm glad you're listening to Power Punch. We got more coming up next, including Bidenomics. Ah, it's working. Get more Power Punch with Larry Barons at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Power Punch with Larry Barons on NewstalkSTL. For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Get charged up on the truth. You're listening to Power Punch with Larry Barons on News Talk STL. 
And welcome back to Power Punch. I'm so glad you took time out of, you know, getting that third mortgage to pay the grocery bill to listen to the show today so that I can tell you how much Bidenomics is working. Let's just sit down, right? Sit around the campfire because their furnace has been shut off and we can talk about this. And and the eviction guy told me he would hang till Monday. So you're going to be okay until then. You got time to listen to how much Bidenomics is working. The White House and officials in President Biden's administration, this is from uh, your friends at Fox News, are claiming that Bidenomics is working despite decreases in household income. What? What is this propaganda decreases in household income? Let me see. Data released by United States Census Bureau. Oh, that's right. That's from the Biden administration. Revealed that the real median household income fell 2.3% from 2021 until now. What? How do you mean people are making less? Binomics works. While the official poverty rate remains statistically unchanged from 2021 to 2022, the supplemental poverty measure rate, which measures the participation in government programs. Yeah, it's hard. Lots of P's. It's hard to read it. Measures participation in government programs increased 12.1%. So that means that more people are relying on the government for help. And here's here's something. Listen, are you running a, are you running a campaign at, on a conservative platform? And, and you have, you know, the D's saying, oh, he don't care. Just uncaring left or uncaring alt-right, QAnon, whatever, whatever they want to say. Let me share a statistic with you. And I want to, you know, I don't know uh, if, if you want to send me a, a fat consulting check on it. I charge less than the Chinese communists. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Supplemental poverty measure, child poverty rate. This is from the federal government, Biden's own administration. It has doubled to 12.4%. It was only 5.2% when Joe Biden took office. Children in poverty has more than doubled under Joe Biden. Boom, that's it. That's the sentence. Bidenomics is working, by the way. How dare you question it? I can't believe it. But there are some governors, we talked a lot, uh, as we should, about uh, the tiny tyrant, as we like to call her, in New Mexico, uh, declaring a public emergency. Well, someone else, did you know this one? For some reason... I can't imagine why there was another emergency declared this week by a governor. Did you not, did you not hear about this one? You didn't know about this one. Maybe, I I don't know. Maybe this one, they weren't trying to, you know, take a paper cutter to the constitution. Maybe, maybe that's why Georgia governor Brian Kemp has declared a state of emergency and temporarily suspended the state's tax on gasoline in an effort to reduce the impact of inflation in a press release on Tuesday, Kemp claimed that his actions were in response to policies from the federal level, saying that President Biden has caused Georgians to feel the brunt of negative economic conditions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, listen, we've seen this from Democrats before, particularly leading up to the 2022 election. We saw vulnerable Democrats in the United States Senate try to bring a bill to suspend the federal gasoline tax. And you're asking, Larry, wouldn't someone like you call that a cheap gimmick if it's from the federal level? Why are you happy about it with Brian Kemp? I'll tell you why. First of all, it's a cheap gimmick from the federal level because the federal government is the one that controls what happens on federal lands and could boost production any moment if they choose to do so. Instead, we're cutting off Alaska, right? Instead, we're cutting off parts of New Mexico. Instead, we're cut. Oh, what, what's parts? Is the part where the governor is? No, we're not cutting off that. Okay, well, I guess, I guess. Anyway, we're cutting off parts of the Gulf Coast from any type of oil and natural gas production. That is a federal government decision. So for them to do something disingenuous like that, when they could fix the underlying problem, 
that is a cheap gimmick. But when a governor looks at his state and says, my constituents are suffering, I'm not going to try to pretend that Bidenomics is working. For him to come out and say, you know what? Let's give them a little relief is something that, that can be considered. And here is an emergency that actually makes sense with the Constitution, right? You have a right to life, liberty, and happiness and not have to pay, you know, the Georgia state tax on gasoline. And here's something that's going to be interesting to me. I, I know there's there's not a, uh, a, a and, and you'll forgive my, my dumb geography. It's pretty dumb. There's not a D-dominated state that, you know, is near Georgia. But let's just for a moment assume that Georgia is bordered by like New York, California, New Mexico, Michigan. Hey, Illinois, I see you. Can you imagine if you lived on the border of Georgia and saw that he just dropped like 30 cents off the price of gasoline? How much money do you think that those stations are going to make now? Because you're going to cross the border to get cheaper gasoline. It's something that somebody can say. Officials estimate the suspension of the tax will save Georgians 31 cents per gallon or 35 if they use the diesel fuel. Uh, some person, Kendrick Cray, according to the story, says it's about $45 to fill up my car, so it hurts a lot. It hurts everybody a lot right now. And the reason that the things are expensive in your grocery store is because Joe Biden hates American energy. It's really that simple. But take a look here in Missouri. What are we looking at? We're looking at about 370 is the average price per gallon right now. I know some high or some lower. That's what average means. Boys and girls work with me here. A year ago, it was 333, still too high. A month ago, it was 360. It keeps going up. It's going to keep going up. I don't know. What is the, the tax on gasoline in Missouri. I, I want to say it's about 20 cents. It's it's a it's not as high as Georgia, but an opportunity to maybe say, you know what, binomics is not working. I'm gonna give my citizens some relief and decide and, and then the, let Joe Biden come in then and say, oh no, we really need to be collecting more of those tax dollars. And and let's be clear, there's a federal tax on it as too. And these taxes go to make roads. I like roads. I in fact I drive on them it seems like every day. I get all of that and I understand that. But when the price is puffed up because of pure incompetence in Washington, D.C., then we see the problem of what is happening here. And they're the ones that will fix it. They're not going to fix it. And so, lo and behold, one governor is standing up to it. And not to try to take away their rights like they did in New Mexico, but also to try to give them something that helps a little bit. Speaking of helping a little bit, while Chinese companies are getting rich, you know, I read to you uh, a little bit ago about that uh, $500 million going to uh, the Chinese Communist Party so that they can open up an EV factory so that Jennifer Granholm doesn't need a staffer anymore. She'll still use one. That money's coming from where? You recall the Inflation Reduction Act, and I just had to share this with, um, with you. The president on Friday put out a tweet reminding America that not a single Republican voted for the Inflation Reduction Act. And I got to tell you, as someone who like looked and plans campaign videos, if I am, you know, one of those members who did not vote for it, I am taking that president's tweet and I, I'm putting it on a billboard. I'm throwing it on every ad I can and say, darn right, I didn't vote for that. I guess I didn't feel that Chinese communists needed more money. Has inflation gone down? We know that child poverty has doubled. Has inflation gone down? 
under the Inflation Reduction Act? The answer is absolutely not. Now, the Democrats will point and say, yeah, it has. No, it's grown less than it was growing. It's still growing. And and, and it, it stop talking to us, by the way, Democrats, while you're listening. Stop talking to us like we don't go into a grocery store and know what's happening. It's just amazing to me. The lockstep, and you got to give Democrats credit for this. They are in lockstep with the message of how well Bidenomics is doing, not only in the media, not only in social media, but any of the surrogates, the sycophants, everyone is in lockstep about this whole thing that Bidenomics is actually working. And everybody who spends money on groceries, gasoline, you name it, know that it's not. Yeah. And, and you know what, I, I, I understand what you're saying. And I also, let me, let me just tell you from a, a, a political operatives, cold ice heart. I love it. And I'll tell you why, because it lets you know right away who the tools are. Oh, you're going to tell me that the economy is great. Well, it's clear that you're a tool being paid by someone to tell me that reality is that, you know, to, to not believe your own lying wallet. And, and I, it was a question as a former reporter that I got asked for years, Ken, is, you know, how do you know when to trust what the news is saying when what's going on? It's like, if, if the news tells you that the sky is purple and you walk outside and see that it's not, it doesn't matter how many tools go on the news and say it's purple. You know that it's not. And every time they try to explain to you that reality is not what it is, you know that they are a nervous because they have to lie that to that level and be, you know, they're getting paid to do it. Oh, oh, and yeah. so it, it, it is, you know what, maybe the, the, the psychopath role plays, pays better. I don't know, Ken, I, <laughs> I, I know you and I like our honesty a little more. And, and this goes for everyone, every outlet. I don't care if it's left, right, or indifferent. If they're doing something or saying something that, you know, for a fact, it's not true. Like for example, Fox, they'll do the same exact thing. Yep. They're doing more of that now than they ever have. If they're doing that and you notice it, a lot of these outlets, and I call them the legacy Pfizer media, <laughs> the, <a> name. <laughs> they are the ones who are, who are trying to guide the narrative. And if they're trying to guide a narrative, they don't care about the truth. That, that's right. If they, and I, I called it reporter Mad Libs, right? We all remember Mad Libs where it oh, was yeah. like, put an adjective here, put a noun here. And that's what they do. Their stories are pre-written. They know what they're going to say, but it's like, okay, put a guy that agrees here, put a girl that doesn't agree there, and then we're done. Except they've just taken out the person that doesn't agree. Now, they, they have just decided that they are going to uh, advocate for one side and one side only. Because, again, just like the EVs that we're supposed to drive, we're not smart enough to know any other information besides the information that they want us to know. And it is why, and, and I know, uh, Ken, you're eager to sign up. There is at the Columbia Journalism Review, we talked about it last week, there is a boot camp, re-education camp for reporters who aren't reporting well on the climate, who want to learn their words, how to transform the media to report on a world on fire. So congratulations, Ken, we're in a world on fire. Journalism is dead. I mean, <laughs> hashtag journalism is dead. I can't believe that they would even allow something like that. It, 25, I went to Mizzou and they had a great J school. And back then I'm saying, uh, they had just an amazing J school and they would never have allowed something like that to happen. I know. 
I know. And, and as a former reporter, I worked with people that came out of Mizzou and Arizona state and these other J schools that are highly regarded. And you see now it's coming out of activists. And, and the response I have to that is if you find journalism like here or anywhere else that is telling the truth as you see it happening, right. It's just like, Oh, this guy seems to be, or this gal seems to be embracing reality. Then that journalist deserves your support because there are more and more that are just going to be able to just get into the assembly line of the narrative that are just going to push against you. And and no matter what your opinion is, no matter what your experience is, and no matter what the reality is, they're going to tell you that it's different and they're going to work to silence other voices. And that's why I wanted to, to kind of close with this is a big kudos to uh, Senator Schmidt, uh, former A.G. Schmidt here. And, it, and it's a much bigger deal than I think it's getting credit for. The Wall Street Journal did a great editorial on it. But to take on the Biden administration and how they, you know, and, and this is Joe Biden, who's probably in the next few weeks going to give another talk about how democracy is great. This is his administration that worked to silence any critics on social media. Good luck seeing a Hunter Biden story in 2020, right? They worked to shut down and to censor everyone else. And thank goodness there was a state like Missouri and AG and other states as well, but that stood up to that. And, and sadly, I read just very recently, like within the last day or two uh, on the SCOTUS blog that the Biden administration is appealing that lower court ruling to the Supreme Court and saying um, that shouldn't take precedence right away. Right. And so they want to continue to silence the voices and they will continue to work against you in every way that they can. But the good news is you have this show, you have this station and you have so many others who are doing the right thing. And you know what? By golly, we're grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that you took the time to spend with us today. Anytime you want to send me an email, Larry at powerthefuture.com. You have to be literate to spell out power of the future. It's all one word. And uh, if you want to find me on the Twitters, yeah, I'm still going to call it that. It's at Larry Barron's. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much to Ken. Thanks so much to you. And you know what? I think uh, we'll do it next week on Power Punch. Get more Power Punch with Larry Barons at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Power Punch with Larry Barons on Newstalk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. <laughs>